Blog Talk Radio. Listen to me, because I really don't care no more about what anybody thinks. Because if we're going to go down this road and make a covenant, we can't make another covenant with death. You said, Tavis, what is that word about promise? What the, Barbara Jordan, what the American people want is simple. They want an America as good as its promise. Well, America is no good at all. If you have made a promise that you don't keep, what are you? You are a liar. Did they promise the Native Americans? Did they write it in treaties? Did they fulfill it? Did they promise us 40 acres and a mule? Did they fulfill it? Brown versus the Board of Education. 50 years later, where's the promise? Is it fulfilled or are we still in segregated schools? The right to vote. You got it? But the minute they gave it to you, they were finding ways to take it back from you. Can't you open your eyes and see the house is burned? We are dying every day, and we're in a hell of a condition because we've made a covenant with a government that is death itself, with a people that have lied to us, deceived us, and murdered us, and rubs us good on one side and kicks us in the behind on the other. You are a deceived people. If you don't have the testicular fortitude, to say what needs to be said, then sit down and stop trying to say you speak for our people and the hurt of the poor. Now I close. Excuse me. I think I'm getting excited. I applaud this covenant. But it demonstrates our impotence. Because in many of the chapters, it keeps going back to not only what we do, but really, we start looking to the same liar that has continued to promise, but never fulfilled. And that's why God said, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven, forgive your sins and heal your land. So don't look to them. Look to God. Look to yourself. Break your covenant with hell and death. Then make a covenant with black America and let's help implement a road map that will free us and the whites that will be freed can be freed by this. The Mexicans, the Hispanics can be freed by this road map. We are a universal people. But those at the top, they're on their way to hell. And if I got any power, I want to push them into hell as fast as I can. Good evening. Good evening and welcome to another edition of the Alpha Show here at TruthWorks Network 
where the truth must be spoken more than once. We've got uh, a lot to cover. Maybe not a lot, but it's interesting. I'm in an upbeat situation. I have an upbeat attitude. And I would like to simply say the walls are coming down. The law is closing in. And either you're going to get justice or you're going to see the ultimate in white privilege, period. If we can have a certain sector in my environment kind of hold it down because um, we will have to have a an intervention here. You know, a lot of people ask me, how come you just talk about Republicans? How come you don't talk about the Democrats? The reason I talk about Republicans is because they are the biggest threat. They are the biggest threat. And I know some of you like to chime in and and have this level of purity. I'm not saying that you're not right. You're absolutely right. Democrats have not shouldered a responsibility towards the people. But when I tell you we need to grab them by the neck and pull them as far left as we can, it's happening. It's happening. And it will continue to happen. The Tea Party didn't take over the Republican Party in six months or so. It's going to take a few years because if you think anything else is going to get us to that so-called promised land, think again. It's not going to happen. Democrat, Republicans. The Democrats are bothering, making it appear that they're helping The Republicans are flat out telling you to go to hell. And that's why I speak on or against Republicans constantly, unapologetically. And I continue to speak against them, and I will continue to speak against them. Let there be no, no... Uh, gray area that these are the people who are the most threatening to us. Once we can wrestle the power, the total power away from Republicans, we can start working on those Dinos, those Democrats in name only, those anti-progressives, those who don't believe that Medicare for all is doable. Those who don't believe that free education is doable. And how do you pay for it? That was Bernie Sanders' downfall. Because the one thing that he needed to be able to answer and the one thing that he couldn't answer was that loaded question. And he could have... uh, he could have basically put that put that dog to sleep by simply answering 
in a very confrontational way. And when I say confrontational way, you see, Bernie Sanders had an opportunity. And this was Bernie Sanders' opportunity. This should have been his answer. Man, do you want to spend a lot of my tax money on these proposals that you and Bernie and others have? Medicare for all, college tuition, maybe even housing, uh, that the Green New Deal that you have, it is all very expensive, especially on the single-payer side, Mm -hmm. and that it gives people sticker shock. Mm -hmm. Even in Bernie's home state, they got sticker shock. They couldn't get it done Mm -hmm. in his state because Mm -hmm. of how expensive it is. And that was an 11% increase in taxes, 9 to 11 percent. Even that was too much for people. How do you pay? How do you sell it? So first of all, the thing that we need to realize is people talk about the sticker shock of Medicare for all. They do not talk about the sticker shock of our of the cost of our existing system. You know, in a Koch Brothers funded uh, you know study, if any study is going to try to be a little bit slanted, it would be one funded by the Koch Brothers. It shows that Medicare for all is actually much more is is actually much cheaper than the current system that we pay right now. And let's not forget that the reason that the Supreme Court upheld the Affordable Care Act is because they ruled that each of these monthly payments that everyday Americans make is a tax. And so while it may not seem like we pay that tax on April 15th, we pay it every single month, or we do pay a tax season if we don't buy uh, you know, these plans off of the exchange. So we're paying for this system. We Americans have the sticker shock of healthcare as it is, and what we're also not talking about is why aren't we incorporating the cost of all the funeral expenses of those who die because they can't afford access to healthcare. That is part of the cost of our system. Why don't we talk about the cost of reduced productivity because of people who need to go on disability, because of people who are not able to participate in our economy, because they have ac- because they're having issues like diabetes or or they don't have access to the health care that they need. I think at the end of the day, we see that this is not a pipe dream. Every other developed nation in the world does this. Why can't America? And that is the question that we need to ask. We have done these things before. We write unlimited blank checks for war. We write a two trillion. We just wrote a two trillion dollar check for that tax cut, the GOP tax cut. And nobody asked those folks, how are they going to pay for it? So my question is, why is it that our pockets are only empty when it comes to education and health care for our kids? Why are our pockets only empty when we talk about 100 percent renewable energy that is going to save this planet and allow our children to thrive? We only have empty pockets when it comes to the morally right things to do. But when it comes to uh, tax cuts for billionaires and when it comes to unlimited war, we seem to be able to, be, to, to invent that, num- that money very easily. And to me, it belies a lack of moral priorities that people have right now, especially the Republican Party. And there you have it. That needed to be Bernie's only answer. And to those people who couldn't receive that, shame on them. That's the only answer he needed, but he got hung up on how do you pay for it, and that was his problem. It becomes an issue of morality, and if you don't see it, that's because you're blind or you don't want to see it. It's called willful ignorance. Period. Take me down a road where you can justify 
health care, profit, for-profit health care, for-profit schooling. Your education should be free. I've got a, a list of countries that adopted health care for all. It's a whole list. And the list has the date in which they adopted health care for all. But there's a list right next to it. And the list of those who adopted health care is about 10 or 15 countries. The list next to it says how many people gave it up, how many countries gave up health care for all because it didn't work. And the slate is blank. No one gave it up because it works. And that's their biggest problem. That's the biggest problem of the advocators of health care for all. The truth must be spoken more than once. You must repeat it ad nauseum over and over and over again if you truly believe that is the case. You have so many examples, and the examples are becoming crystal clear here in the United States, and they've been like that since, I would say, 2012. The Democratic Party took over California, raised the taxes on the rich only, and went from a $26.4 billion deficit to a $6 billion surplus because they raised taxes on the rich. The rich had to pay their fair share. You didn't see them fleeing California, did you? If they want to leave, be gone. And that's the approach. That is the answer. If you're not for that, you need to tell everybody. You need to step Step away. You're not a Democrat. You're not a Democrat. As Ocasio-Cortez said, Democrats got to come home. They've got to come home because other than that, you are left out there. These aren't all of a sudden, liberal ideas that have just popped up, they've been around for an awful long time. And we have prospered under these ideas. It's just that the one thing Republicans have done, they've beat the drum and convinced people with repetitive lies that this will raise your taxes to an unfathomable height. And that's not the case. Here's uh, Casio Cortez 
Democrats have to come home. I think there's been a lot of debate over here. At least I've heard there's been a lot of debate. I just came in from uh, California earlier today and before that. I was in um, Michigan campaigning for Abdul El-Sayed, Beirut Saad, Rashida Tlaib, David Bennett, Rob Davidson, all candidates who refused to take corporate money. All candidates who believe we need to end the war on drugs. All candidates who believe tuition-free college is the future, that Medicare for all is the future, that an aggressive action on climate change is the future, because that is the future. Because that is the future. I believe that sometimes we, we make some mistakes, that we, we have this idea in our brain of what a swing voter is. But after spending this time in the Midwest, after talking to folks constantly, I think we realize that swing voters don't vote for the person who's moderate enough, the person who is most timid, the person who backs down from their starting point. That is not who the swing voter votes for. The swing voter votes for authenticity. The swing voter votes for the person they think is championing them the most. The swing voter votes for a person who thinks that puts them first. And the swing voter, as, as was mentioned earlier, as I've been saying on the campaign trail, is not just red to blue, it's non-voter to voter. That's our swing voter. It's no mistake, it is uh, no secret, that over the last 10 years we've lost a lot of seats in this country. We've lost a lot of state assembly seats, city councils, gubernatorialships, mayoralships. We've lost the House, the Senate, and the presidency. But that's all right, because it's always darkest before dawn. It's always darkest before dawn. Every time we knock on a door is a ray of sunlight. Every time we pick up a phone, it is contributing to that light. And right now, we need a burst between now and November. We have a lot of organizing that we need to do. But I think that, uh, you know, sometimes the greatest success on the other end is the fact that they have won while clinging tighter and tighter to their base while convincing us to stray from ours. We need to realize the consciousness of the Democratic Party, I believe. And I believe that it's time to come home. I think it's time for us to come home. It's time to remember that universal college education, trade school, a federal jobs guarantee, exploration of a universal basic income were not all proposed in 2016. They were proposed in 1940 by the President of the United States, by the Democratic President of the United States. These are not new ideas. We are picking up where we last left off when we were last most powerful, when we were our last greatest. The, the Democratic Party, it's time to own that our party was the one of the great society, of the New Deal, of the Civil Rights Act. That's our party. That's who we are. And it's time for us to come home. Because when working people realize that we are fighting for them the most, they will fight for us too. That is, that is what we have shown. So I think that um, when we realize, again, that it was the Democratic Party that established coast-to-coast -coast electricity, the interstate highway system, and the women's right to choose, when we own that and accept that, 
then we will realize that we are fighting for the majority of this nation, and the majority of this nation will, real, will fight for us. That is how democracy works. So I think that um, one of the things that we realized as well, going in the Midwest, we were out there with, uh, again, Abdul Al-Sayed. We went out to Grand Rapids, a conservative area of, uh, of Michigan, where Betsy DeVos is from. And um, we announced that we would host that rally, and about 600 people RSVP'd to it. And um, over 1,000 people showed up in a cramped, sweaty high school in the middle of Grand Rapids. We went to Flint, another 500 people showed up. We went to Detroit, another 1,000. We went to Ypsilanti, another 100. We had to hold another rally outside. Something is happening in this nation. Something is happening in this country, and we can embrace it. We can win on it, and we can realize that, that we, can, we can appeal to our highest selves, not our lowest selves. We can say that a Muslim man can be the first governor, that can be the first Muslim governor in this country, in the Midwest, and we don't have to be afraid of some other that won't vote for him, because we know that 10 years ago they voted for a man named Barack Hussein Obama. We have been here before. We have been here before. And, you know, when we, when we realize that, again, there is nothing radical about moral clarity in this nation, that it's not us that's going off, but it is that it is how far this country has strayed, and we're here to bring us home. That's what our voice should be here to do. So I want to thank you all. Um, and, I, and again, I know that there are some, there's some debate here. And that's, again, that's all right. We can embrace that. Discourse is not discord. Discourse is not discord. Family can argue, and that's all right, because we come out healthier on the other end. I may have some different beliefs of other Democrats, I, ha I happen to believe that an agency that has repeatedly, systematically, and, violent, and violently committed human rights abuses cannot be reformed. That's what I believe. Not under this administration especially. And it's time that we take that tool away. Time that we take that tool away. Not just ICE. But, but our system of mass incarceration, too. There you go. What about what she said is foreign to people who are not Republicans? And yet, the Democratic Party has allowed them to frame the narrative that Socialism, socialism seems to be a bad thing. We are a socialist hybrid. It's not all about capitalism. It's not all about for-profit. The government has a role to play in our lives. You didn't see private institutions rushing to the Carolinas today and yesterday, the day before. It's the government. 
You didn't see private institutions, private bankers, private corporations bailing out the country during this 2008 falter and Great Depression. Don't tell me about rogue Democrats or what this Democrat is not doing or what that Democratic guy is not doing. Change the face, change the tempo of the Democratic Party, and we can weed them out. You remember there used to be a lot of blue dogs in in the House of Representatives? They're gone now. They're gone because they've been weeded out. They were weeded out in 2010. And they were weeded out by Republicans who basically turned their own message on them and accused them of being the spin party. Who's more of a spin party? Now think about it. Who's more corrupt than this than this administration? Who spent more money on nonsense? Who's wasted more money than this administration? The culture of corruption is deep. The culture of corruption is big. And oh yeah. I will get to this um to these um happy revelations. Paul Manafort has flipped and um it is my understanding that this is pardon proof. And Bob Mueller played him like a three-tiered chess piece. Bob Mueller's not the not the save all. He's not he's not our savior, but we can use him. We can use him because he's going to get rid of the corrupt in this administration. I'm gonna stick my neck out right now and say the next people to be indicted will be Roger Stone and his associate, you know, his associate has uh, refused to show up at the grand jury when he was subpoenaed for the grand jury. So he's going to jail. He's going to jail. They're not going to allow that type of BS to stand. But I, I guarantee you one thing. I've heard a lot of people say, all of this Russian poo-poo, all this Russian, keep, keep, stay tuned. Stay tuned because it's about to get real. It's about to get real. Bob Mueller has what he needs, whether this president responds to a subpoena. And that's my biggest fear, that Mueller will just write a report. When Mueller should right now have this in his mind that 
he should be trying to prosecute these people with extreme prejudice. Why? Because this is personal. Donald Trump has gone out of his way to smear, lie, and do everything he possibly can to this investigation. Robert Mueller is a Republican. Rosenstein is a Republican. The FBI are full of Clinton-hating Republicans. Just ask the former FBI head. The entire network of Hillary Clinton Democratic-hating Republicans. And now all of a sudden Donald Trump wants everybody to believe that they're Democrats. And people are buying into this with this with this nonsense about the Democratic cabal because this president says so. And I'm still waiting on someone on one of these damn talk shows to step up and say, wait a minute. Donald Trump said, what? Is this the biggest liar we've ever seen in the Oval Office? Or are the fact-check people wrong? Are the fact-check people lying? Everything is fake news. What he tells us is fake news. He tweets fake news. The lies from this man have simply consumed everything. The media... Whatever he says, the media chases it like a soccer ball, running after a chew toy. And this is what gives him his his free press. The media seems to be afraid to lose access. The media seems to be afraid, along with Democrats, to call this man a traitor. And I think it's coming to fruition. He is a traitor. Paul Manafort just just pleaded guilty to conspiracy against America. This is the campaign. The head of his campaign. Tell me Bob Mueller doesn't have the inside track on him. Because Paul Manafort... He tried to be a good soldier. It wasn't happening. It wasn't happening. He was going down. Either way it went, he was going down. And I'll tell you why. The the plea deal with um, Manafort is Pardon proof. You understand pardon proof? Well, I'm going to bring it to you when I come back. The I Declare Show. Wait a minute. Fill my cup. Put some nigga in it. Take a sip. Sign the check. Julio, get the stretch. Real raw right now, talk media. I declare it. Money. Break it down. Girl, take your hallelujah. Girl, take your hallelujah. Girl, take your hallelujah. India declare real, raw, and right now. 
real raw right now? I declare it. Welcome back. Um, the article I read, and it basically laid out, simply put, why this plea deal with Paul Manafort is pardon proof. What Mueller was trying to do was to secure these guilty pleas before there was a pardon. See, because you can pardon him all you want, but for his deal to stay in check, he must tell the truth. And he's already been talking to Mueller since Tuesday. You don't think Bob Mueller has talked to him about June 7th and June 9th, 2016. The inability of Donald Trump to see a bigger picture, to take the advice of his counsel, has put him in a very untenable situation. And you will continue to see the walls fall down on you know Mexico is going to build this wall and it's going to close in on Donald Trump. There's a wall going up, but he will not be happy about it. And we need to take into account all of the people who are going down. There are how many guilty pleas now? Is it six or seven? Who loses count? All them witches. All of those witches. And then there's the Brett Kavanaugh confirmation. The Democrats should be promising. Promising impeachment for perjury, for sexual assault, he should never, and they should hang Kavanaugh around the necks of the Republican Party. And any Democrat that votes for him shall be Blanche Lincoln out of their seat, period. And the obstruction, as they will call it, and Democrats need to call it saving democracy. Democrats need to call it saving what is left of our American norms. And don't don't get me wrong. For black people, It's not a big help. It's not a big help. Because they're going to do to us and treat us the very same way because we really have no say because we are still a, I would call it a traumatized. We are still a people of miseducation, 
of false religion. Anytime you accept the Bible of your oppressor, you are in big trouble. And I would like to say that the Democratic Party, with the help of a lot of pocket liners, I call them pocket liners, have joined with the let me see. Let me look into my wallet here because I paid I paid for this big word, okay? <laughs> I paid for this big word. The Democratic Party has joined with the obsequious ass-tongers in the Republican Party of this administration. Turn them out like lepers. Turn them out as if they had the plague. But this must end in November. It must end in November. The message couldn't be more clear. You must stoke your base. You must appeal to the independents that if you are sick and tired of this, I call it a culture of corruption. And Democrats don't seem to be able to carry these these kinds of um, messages. But that's exactly what they are, cultures of corruption. And you only have to, and I was hoping that someone would come up with a, with a list. And when they did, I picked it up. Massive deals, financial ties, domestic violence, hush money payment, conspiracy and tax charges, illegal payments, conflict of interest, congratulating Putin, lying to the FBI. We are going to drain the swamp in Washington, D.C. Day one of the Trump administration saw his press secretary lying about crowd size. This was the largest audience to ever witness an inauguration. Period. Prices to join President Donald Trump's Palm Beach Resort have doubled since his White House win. Fourteen months into the Trump administration and already six cabinet members under scrutiny for misusing taxpayer money. The head of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention stepped down. She resigned due to her complex financial interest. The Secretary of Health and Human Services is out. It comes after spending hundreds of thousands of dollars of your money on luxury jets. Spending more than $12,000 on a single flight. Questions about an unusual request to use a military jet for his European honeymoon. $31,000 on a new dining room set for Secretary Carson's office. David Shulkin using taxpayer money to fly his wife to Europe. $139,000 spent on new doors. More than $105,000 on first class flights. Eight 
separate trips on military aircraft at a total of nearly $1 million. Conway broke the rules promoting the fashion line owned by President Trump's oldest daughter. I'm going to give a free okay. commercial here. Go buy it today, everybody. You can right. find it online. President Donald Trump has removed Anthony Scaramucci as communications director. This was a jaw dropper. It was a profanity laced tirade. The most disgusting thing he said. I'm not Steve Bannon. I'm not going to suck my own. Michael Flynn forced to resign for not telling the truth about his contacts with the Russian ambassador. Paul Manafort, former Trump campaign chairman, is now a criminal defendant. Manafort and his protege Gates uh, indicted by a federal grand jury on 12 counts. 30-year-old George Papadopoulos worked with suspected Russian agents and then denied it to the FBI. And I didn't have not have communications with the Russians. Jeff Sessions, in fact, met twice with the Russian ambassador to the United States. And my staff recommended recusal. Two of Rob Porter's ex-wives accused him of abuse. A lawyer for President Trump arranged a hefty payment to an adult film star. We need to get the best and the finest, and if we don't, we'll be in trouble for a long period of time. And maybe never come out of it. Just found out Obama had my quote-unquote wires tapped. And informed Comey that he's been terminated. President Trump, it says, acted based on the clear recommendations of both the Deputy Attorney General, Rosenstein, as well as the Attorney General, Jeff Sessions. I was going to fire Comey. My decision, it was not... You made the decision before they came in. The I, I was going to fire Comey. President Trump shared highly classified intelligence with Russian diplomats. A June 26 meeting between Donald Trump Jr. and a Russian lawyer. Ivanka Trump once again faces questions about whether she is personally profiting from her White House role. The Chinese government granted her company three new trademarks on April 6. Hours later, she dined with the Chinese president at her father's Mar-a-Lago resort. Ivanka Trump using a personal email account for government work and her husband, Jared Kushner, using a private email account for government business for months this year. Federal prosecutors are investigating the family business of the president's son-in-law. Jared Kushner has revealed he inadvertently omitted 77 assets from his personal financial disclosure form and Kushner's alleged plan to set up back-channel communications with the Russian government. Jared Kushner is coming under scrutiny again for not revealing again that a Russian banker and Putin ally who's been linked to organized crime with the Trump campaign. Jared Kushner has had his security clearance significantly Significantly downgraded. He failed to disclose ties to a firm linked with top Russian oligarchs. Or like on former advisor and close friend of the president. He saved himself six million dollars. He has visited one of his golf courses 87 times as president. New report of an alleged affair between a Playboy playmate and Donald Trump. Forbes is reporting that Donald Trump actually shifted some of that charity money into his business. We are going to drain the swamp. Now, if you can't disseminate that level of corruption, the constant lying, the constant deceit, the constant feeding at the taxpayer trough to the American people, you need to have a big, hot, warm, hot, warm cup or sit down and shut the up. There is no reason for Democrats not to take the House or the Senate because as I said 
this is what Republicans have done to this country. And it's not it's not like it hasn't been right out front for everyone to see. It's just that there are too many cowards who hold office in the Democratic Party. That's the bottom line. And instead of getting in the arena and fighting these bastards for the common good, they want to shrink. You see, now, you see they've... uh, given a little resistance to the Kavanaugh nomination. They kind of stood up a little bit. But what did the Republicans do? They gave them the middle finger. They flipped them the bird and told them to go somewhere. This is going through regardless. There is no moral compass with these people. Yes obsequious ass-tongers for this administration, for the evangelical right, for a woman. What are women going to do when abortions become illegal, when they allow old white men and radical religious beliefs This is like Christian Sharia. The Democrats should call it just that, Christian Sharia. The Democrats should call them what they are, radical evangelical Christians. And stop giving a damn what they say. Move to your base and play on the moral, the morals of the independence. If you believe that 1.5 trillion in tax cuts is the way to go and to add 1.2 trillion to the debt, and they're about to add two more trillion to the debt with permanent tax cuts, if that's what you cannot rally against, if that's what you can't disseminate to the American people, you don't need to hold office. If you can't campaign on eliminating, eliminating Citizens United, the hell with we want to change Nancy Pelosi. You know, that pissed me off. 51... 51 Democrats said they won't support her. Well, okay, good enough. Then she'll win 168 to 51. Shut the fuck up. Here's some tissue. You got some bullshit on your lips. Quit carrying the dirty water for the Republicans, for the right wing, and be reasonable. Be able to slap back, push back. Refuse to allow them to frame the narrative.
it's only a matter of time before this will come all come crashing down. Not just federal. The states are after them too. The states are after them. I want to see indictments on Roger Stone, Jerome Corsi. They're the ones who were at the spearhead of the hack, the stolen emails. And they're the ones who should be under indictment. But like I said, Roger Stone, I think, how did he put it? His time in the barrel is coming. Donnie Jr., his time in the and Jerry Kushner. There's too much coincidence here. Way too much coincidence. Because at each and every turn, you have to ask yourself, is this where we're going? Or is this what we should be coming from? You have to ask yourself that. Just ask yourself that question just once. Just once. Stand up and say things like Deutsche Bank loaned Donald Trump over $2.5 billion. $2.5 billion since 1998. Deutsche Bank was fined $630 million for a $10 billion Russian money laundering scheme. Retiring Justice Anthony Kennedy's son was Trump's banker at Deutsche Bank. That's way too many coincidences. Deutsche Bank should be on a sanctions list. The $635 million in fine, it's not enough. Learn to fight. Democrats need to take a class for the common good. Now, keep talking about the common good, and I will talk about the common good because it's personal, especially right now. Because if we don't take the house, I'm done. That's why it's personal. I want to continue, but hey, who knows? Let's go for the comments. Donald Trump once said he identified with Ayn Rand's character, Howard Rourke, in The Fountainhead. An architect so upset that a housing project he designed didn't meet specifications, he had it dynamited. Others in Trump's circle were influenced by Rand. Atlas Shrugged was said to be the favorite book of Rex Tillerson, Trump's Secretary of State. Rand also had a major influence on Mike Pompeo, Trump's CIA chief. Trump's first nominee for Secretary of Labor, Andrew Puzder, said he spent much of his free time reading Rand. The Republican leader of the House of Representatives, Paul Ryan, required his staff to read Rand. I grew up reading Ayn Rand. It's, it inspired me so much that I, it's required reading in my office for all my interns and my staff. Uber's founder and former CEO, Travis Kalanick, has described himself as a Rand follower. Before he was sacked, he applied many of her ideas to Uber's code of values and even used the cover art for Rand's book, The Fountainhead, as his Twitter avatar. So who is Ayn Rand and why does she matter? 
Ayn Rand, best known for two highly popular novels, still widely read today. The Fountainhead, published in 1943, and Atlas Shrugged in 1957, didn't believe there was a common good. She wrote that selfishness is a virtue, and altruism an evil that destroys nations. When Rand offered these ideas, they seemed quaint if not far-fetched. Anyone who lived through the prior half-century witnessed our interdependence through depression and war. And after the war, we used our seemingly boundless prosperity to finance all sorts of public goods, schools and universities, a national highway system, and health care for the aged and poor. We rebuilt war-torn Europe. We sought to guarantee the civil rights and voting rights of African Americans. We opened doors of opportunity to women. Of course, there was a common good. We were living it. But then, starting in the late 1970s, Rand's views gained ground. She became the intellectual godmother of modern-day American conservatism. This utter selfishness, this contempt for the public, this win-at-any-cost mentality is eroding American life. Without adherence to a set of common notions about right and wrong, we're living in a jungle where only the strongest, cleverest, and most unscrupulous get ahead, and where everyone must be wary in order to survive. This is not a society. It's not even a civilization, because there's no civility at its core. It's a disaster. In other words, we have to understand who Ayn Rand is so we can reject her philosophy and dedicate ourselves to rebuilding the common good. The idea of the common good was once widely understood and accepted in America. I mean, after all, the U.S. Constitution was designed for we the people seeking to promote the general welfare, not for me the selfish jerk seeking as much wealth and power as possible. Yet today, you find growing evidence of its loss. CEOs who gouge their customers, loot their corporations, and defraud investors. Lawyers and accountants who look the other way when corporate clients play fast and loose, who even collude with them to skirt the law. Wall Street bankers who defraud customers and investors. Film producers and publicists who choose not to see that a powerful movie mogul they depend on is sexually harassing and abusing young women. Politicians who take donations, really bribes, from wealthy donors and corporations to enact laws their patrons want or shudder the government when they don't get the partisan results they seek. And a president of the United States who repeatedly lies about important issues, refuses to put his financial holdings into a blind trust, and then personally profits off his office and foments racial and ethnic conflict. The common good consists of our shared values about what we owe one another as citizens who are bound together in the same society. A concern for the common good, keeping the common good in mind, is a moral attitude. It recognizes that we're all in it together. If there is no common good, there is no society. I couldn't agree. I couldn't agree more. Robert writes, he's no pillar of virtue when it comes to progressives. But right now, we can use him. Right now, he basically stands for a lot of the things that we stand for, anti-conservatism. And that's what 
Democrats and progressives should be attacking is conservatism. You attack conservatism to allow the people to understand that it means you no good. It means you, conservatism means you absolutely no good. Libertarians mean you absolutely no good because that's what they're doing. The week's news also included the $200 million shift from Homeland Security, $10 million from FEMA to shift into ICE for internment camps and beds for children. So now the internment camps that the Republicans so decried when Barack Obama was president have come to fruition with Donald Trump. And it's all right for the right. It's all right for the conservatives. It's all right for the morally bankrupt evangelicals to stand by and watch this go on and only respond with, they should have brought their kids here, which is a level of BS that's untenable. You can't by any measure any measure pointed out any more clearly who are the devils, the fake Christians, those who would wave their hands in a church and pretend to be for their Lord. And then do just the opposite at the other end. You can't make this stuff up. At least I can. <laughs> and it goes and it continues to go. It goes in a in a sir, you know, when you when you open a, your browser and there's a circular motion going on your computer. That's what this political, these politics are. That's what the, Donald Trump called Jeff Session a hillbilly. A hillbilly. I'm not saying he's lying. That might be one of the times he's not lying, but that should have offended most of his base because Let's face it, in some of his rallies, there are a lot of people. And if you put all those people together, you can't get a full set of teeth. So let that, just let that sit over in the corner there in summer for a while. Put it on low heat because it needs to be pointed out. These people do not hold the moral high ground. They do not hold family values with any respect. They are not about Americans. They're at the Trump rallies with, I take Russians over Democrats any day, over liberals. They are not for the American people.
I'm going to take a little break here. And when I come back, I want to talk to you about this very interesting, this was a very interesting article that I read and that I listened to about uh, Brett Kavanaugh and who he was. And you see, you can take it, you know, with a grain of salt. But when you take it, the grain of salt from someone who was with them, someone who was involved in it. It's like, it's like Frank Schaefer. Frank Schaefer's father founded the evangelical movement, the evangelical political movement of liars and hypocrites, of grifters. And then he emerged from it after he basically said to himself, this ain't right. So I'm going to share with you when I come back the findings of um, David Brock on Brett Kavanaugh because David Brock was a Republican operative. David Brock was in the same room with all of these people and he basically discovered that uh Hey, this ain't right. I don't want to be here. And he was able to leave and kindly go on to better things. So I'll I'll cover that to a great extent. When I come back. But if Republicans are playing cutthroat politics, why are the Democrats playing that? And why can't they be on the offensive? And that, that's the first thing. Here's the second charge. You've got the Republicans beating this old message of debt. And that will be the narrative and the Democrats, you don't see this coming? You don't see this narrative coming as they force another debt fight. The best of political talkback, common sense, right from the concrete. Urban, progressive, politics, politics, politics. At TruthWorks Network, 10 p.m., Alpha drills down deep the lies in politics. It's just damn politics. The Alpha Show. Network Talk Radio. It's the Black Voice Collaborative. Right here on Blog Talk Radio. I'm Janice Grant. This is Alpha. It would be my honor if you would join me. 
Truth Works Network. I believe in truth. The I Declare Show. Wait a minute. Fill my cup, put some nigga in it. Take a sip, sign the check. Julio, get the stretch. Real raw right now, talk media. I declare it. right now I declare it. This is Truthworks Network, the Black Voice Collaborative, where the truth is spoken more than once. you have to approach this you got to have bad blood with these people because they got bad blood with you they don't give a damn about you they'll do any and everything they pop 3,000 people perished in Puerto Rico because of the negligence of this administration and what does he say that it's a democrat it's a democrat hope that 3,000 people died, and his Christian high moral family values base accepts that. There are Americans, and he's denying facts, and that's what authoritarians do. Speaking of authoritarians, you know, I don't think it's much of a it's much of a secret that um, it's not that I can't. It's just that I it puts me to sleep. So reading is not a great thing. So I did the next best thing. <laughs> 
I downloaded audio books, and I'm in about an hour so of um, The Plot to Steal Democracy by Malcolm Nance. And um, people have to arm themselves with facts. And people from the evangelical church, the right wing, the skinheads, they don't give a damn about facts. All they are out to do is destroy the people who aren't with them or don't have the same skin color as they have. Did you see the article of the... um, I guess he was the head of one of the rescue agencies and he was talking about, you know, going in and rescuing people and and how they're staging and the guy sitting behind him flashed the white power sign. That's the upside down or right side up okay sign. And I don't understand if they think people don't see that. Like the woman sitting behind Kavanaugh, she flashed the white power sign twice, not once, on two different days. And it was pointed out each and every time. And that should have been one of the storylines coming from the Democratic side. He has aligned himself with the white power nuts. And I don't mean nuts because these are people, these Nazis, and you got people like Jared Kushner, who is a Jew, Steve Miller, who is a Jew. They hate you. Let's face it, there were always house Negroes that sold out the revolution to the master. So I can expect nothing less from those sellout Jews. Period. Period. You know, I do this all the time, and I'm sorry I do it, but uh, 929-477. 2867 is the number that you can reach me at. Um, Someone can put that number in the chat room for those who are interested and for those who aren't. The article by David Brock, and for those of you who don't know who David Brock is, David Brock used to be a member of Media Matters. So his early history was that of a Republican operative. He was in the same room with Brett Kavanaugh. Uh, what's the Bowtie bow boy's name? The girly boy? Uh, he was in the same room, Fox News, Tucker Carlson, Laura Ingram. He was in the same room with uh, Kellyanne Conway's uh, husband. And he should never be on the Supreme Court. Period. 
And this comes from people who... With this composition of the Supreme Court after Brett Kavanaugh, there really isn't going to be a swing vote in the traditional sense. It may essentially be a court of five justices because the four dissenters are almost irrelevant. You're right. It is broken. We have an open seat on the Supreme Court right now, and we're going into the confirmation hearings for Brett Kavanaugh. So the judge from the U.S. Court of Appeals, who President Trump has nominated to fill that seat. This is a pivotal appointment to the Supreme Court because it's pretty much split four to four on ideological lines. The Supreme Court appointment process is completely broken. Basically what happens is that 95% of the votes whoever is the party of the president making the nomination. And then there's a handful of people, what we call red state Democrats, who are up for the election, who are kind of in play. But Republicans can get this appointment through the Supreme Court just with Republican votes. And so the hearing is kind of honestly a bit of a sham. So Brett Kavanaugh, who's quite conservative, can hit the court pretty strongly in the conservative direction on a lot of issues that affect people's lives. President Trump's biggest historical legacy may well be the Supreme Court because he's going to have Justice Neil Gorsuch, Justice Brett Kavanaugh. They're going to be on the Supreme Court for a quarter century or more in all likelihood. And the big point is that that doesn't mean they can't get more conservative because there's a legacy of decisions from past decades about things like abortion and affirmative action that could be overturned, and the Supreme Court hasn't gone as far as it could on things like gun rights, the separation of church and state. We want the Supreme Court to be understood as a non-political institution that's ruling based on the law, not partisan preference. There are paths forward. Both political sides really want to use the process to their advantage. They have very little incentive to actually cooperate. But the senators who are ideologically in the middle could insist on a different process, they could insist on nominees that are less partisan, less hard-edged ideologically. Right now, people are starting to think about there being Republican and Democratic justices on the Supreme Court. And that's not what we want. This appointments process is broken, and if people want to retain their confidence in the Supreme Court, something probably has to be done about it. Let me state this as clearly as I possibly can. Who Brett Kavanaugh is. And this comes from someone who sat in the room with him. Who was a Republican operative, as he was. It wasn't just Hillary's image. Now, let's face it, they did a great job of destroying her image because they got a lot of Democrats to dislike her. There wasn't much to like about her. But to this point, will we get Donald Trump? No, not at all. Here's a lot you don't know about Kavanaugh. Then his... What is it? Provonian response to Hillary's image. David Brock writes, Brett and I were a part of a close circle of cold, cynical, and ambitious hard-right operatives being groomed by GOP elders for a much bigger role in politics, government, and media. 
it's those controversial associations that should give members of the Senate and the American public serious pause. Call it Kavanaugh's cabal. There was his colleagues on the Star investigation, Alex Azir, and now Secretary of Human and Health Services, Mark Paletta, now the Chief Counsel to the Vice President, Mike Pence. House and anti-Clinton gumshoe Barbara Comstock is now a Republican member of Congress. Future Fox News personalities, Laura Ingram, Tucker Carlson, were there with Ann Coulter, now a best-selling author and Internet provocateur, Matt Drudge. See, all of these young, aspiring Republican conservatives were simply there being taught these dirty tricks, being taught how to win by any means necessary. In a rough division of labor, Kavanaugh played a role of a lawyer, one of the sharp young minds recruited by the Federalist Society to infiltrate the federal judiciary with true believers. Through that network, Kavanaugh was mentored by D.C. Appeals Court Judge Lawrence Silberman, known among the colleagues for planting leaks in the press and partisan advantage. When, as I came to know Kavanaugh, took on a role of designated leaker, this particular article goes on and on and tells about the the perjury that was committed by Kavanaugh in his confirmation hearings to become a circuit court judge. I'm going to post this in the chat room so that uh, you can get to it. It's going to be the low-hanging fruit, and you can get to it on your own because it needs to be read. It needs to be understood. It needs to be repeated. You know, when you see these Facebook nonsense videos and they tell you to make them go viral, This is one of the things that should go viral because it's who these people are. Don't allow them to hide behind their lies because that's what they are. It appears that Democrats are afraid to call them liars. It's a very, very easy move. Yeah, you're right. Russian roulette is another one. I'll get that next on audiobook. But um 
just to show you how it goes, the uh, I'm like an hour or so, might be a little more into the 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 plot to hack democracy by Malcolm Nance, and I can listen to it, but um, this is the level of corruption, not just by the Russians, but by the the United States, by the elected officials, is massive. It's massive. So please, please, just spare me the juxtaposing of Democrats and Republicans and measuring them side by side and declaring that Neither one are good enough as you wither away to a Green Party do-nothing candidate who won't hold an office, don't hold an office, and if they've ever held an office, it wasn't for too long. And tell me what they did when they were in office. Now, somebody please ask me, what did Democrats do? Please, please ask me that. Because I played it for you already. Democrats are responsible for the implementation of Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid. The Democratic president brought us the New Deal. Democrats are the ones advocating for health care for all, Medicare for all, free school, a livable wage. Republicans oppose every single one of these ideas. So, either you're going to sit and point the finger at both parties and relegate yourself to that common phrase. The lesser of two evils is still evil. You're damn right it's still evil. And I'll ask you again. When was this country ever anything other than evil. When? When? Someone can answer that for me, I would be happy. But I understand there are no takers. I understand. And this particular article that I'm reading, that I was reading from by David Brock, all of these Republicans, or young Republicans then, this was back in the late 90s, during the the Ken Starr era, before Clinton and Bush.
They were the students of a Ted Olson, future solicitor general for George Bush. You see, Richard Mellon Scaife, the uh, editor, the head of American Spectator magazines, where David Brock worked. David Brock was one of them. Now, if you're not willing to take what one of them is saying after he is so-called rehabilitated himself, what, what are you willing to believe? What are you willing to accept? What is it that you don't understand about or can't get your head around? This is not going to turn out desirably for you. It's not supposed to. It was never orchestrated for your benefit. Never orchestrated for your benefit. And at some point, you have to reconcile with the facts. I am simply looking for forward to the the days, the continuous days of the evidence. And like I said, it would be so disappointing if Robert Mueller left this to a Trump Justice Department because leaving it to the Trump Justice Department will only unearth the white privilege that these people enjoy, that they live by. The white cop in Dallas that went into the wrong apartment and shot and killed the black man. What did they do? What did they do? They got a warrant to search the the victim, the dead victim's apartment. And they found a little bitty piece of marijuana to smear this man. And the issuer of that warrant should be called out as a racist bastard. Because that's exactly what the hell he is. But mark my words. This is what this officer's defense will be. They will definitely get that irrelevant information into the trial to sully the open minds of the jury. But that's what they do. That's what they do. So, take that with you and continue to ask yourself. Tomorrow is Sunday. And I guess, I bet you I'll be able to count the number of Democrats appearing on the Sunday morning shows on one hand. That's what we must 
go to the polls to change. Seat by seat, Dino by Dino must be purged. Third party and all of this other stuff, you have to say to yourself, what is it that we're trying to accomplish? 929-477-2867. Give me a call. Let's go to the phones. 757, welcome to the Alpha Show. Thank you for calling TruthWorks Network. Good evening, good evening, Alpha. I'm going to skip the politics because you said there are no blue dogs, but it's about 18 to 24 of them in there, and they've been trying to work with the, with the GOP, uh, and it didn't work out because the GOP wanted to skirt all the rules in the in the House, so that, that didn't work out too well for them. But don't think they're gone because I used to live in Arizona, and, and uh, Seneca is one of the head honchos in that group. But let me get to the other part. You don't have to worry about justice in Dallas because there's a black female police chief and about a 66-year-old GOP-appointed black Republican is the prosecuting attorney. So we don't get justice in Dallas because it's a black face in charge, kind of reminiscent of Mayor Good's days. So we can't expect like any justice, huh? I said we we can't expect any justice. Well, uh, so that means you got a pretty good memory because I just heard Mayor Good the other day on a on a call in show in Philly, and he said that he he wouldn't have done anything differently when he bombed Move when he let the ATF and and the FBI give him C four and dropped on Move. So all I'm saying is we get black representation and we get the justice that we deserve, I guess. Well, since you raised uh, Mayor Good, um, was he ideal for us? Hell no. Well, he must be doing all right because they're about to name a street for him, and they they didn't take any inquiries from the public, from what I understand, and they're getting ready to go down into the part of what's going to be gentrified here in the next five to seven years and want to name a street after him right right there where, where uh, I think about a mile or so from where he bombed uh, Pam Africa and her whole family. So he must have done something right is all I'm saying. The nation only rewards you when you do right. You know, kind of like uh, John, John McCain. So maybe we should all just pack up and go home. Hey, I don't know what we're going to do, but one thing for sure, if we keep thinking that we're going to get some some kind of restitution or reprisal from what's been going on for 400 years without us figuring out how to become a viable block and not be uh, latched on to one party, we're not going to make any progress. I heard you talk about, I wanted to stray away from the politics because I heard you talk about Nancy Pelosi and why it's good to keep her and all that. Let me tell you, if I it's going to be any progress, if it's going to be any progress in this country, 
the best thing black people can do is take over the Democrat Party or just give up on politics altogether. I'm going to tell you why. Even the people that I try to look for good in, like Mr. Gillum down in Florida, everything on the surface looks good, but the more I dig, I find out when they were digging through his emails when he was still mayor in Tallahassee, when they dug through his emails, the people who got the emails for however way they got them, they purposely, even though they were the opposition, the GOP, they tried to run him out of office for using his office to also campaign, claiming his staff. So they tried to get him all along, never really made it to the forefront in in the major news. But the bottom line is, the one thing they kept from the public is the fact that he was pro-anti-BDS. So when you start digging through finding out that he's all for having rules that you can't do business with the state unless you agree not to badmouth Israel, that's a red flag for me. I don't know what it means to other people, but I've been around a long time, and I'm from the South. And if okay. you're telling me, okay. you're telling me that you can't badmouth that, Israel, that you can't so, badmouth so, somebody that's bombing an open air market, an open air prison, then there's something wrong with that. So then you dig a little bit deeper, and you start finding out that he's also even got a cobble that have a, a pack. I can't call the name on it right now, but um, I can tell you one of the people involved, and it sent up another red flag for me because I come from the military, and the thing is you try to find out who's associated with what think tank. Tony Cole, C-O-L-E, <laughs> Melanie Hobson, all people that are big. Cole is in pharmaceuticals and an investor. Melody Hobson, I know you know she was married to the Star Wars guy. Aerial Investments, I think it is. But when you search them, guess what? They sit on the board of what? Council for Foreign Relations. They've got a history since 1921 of usurping every movement in this country. So then you find out that that's the major financial backers for Gillum. And then you also find out they also supplied some money for the young lady who Janice is crazy about up in the Boston area. So I'm going to tell you this. I don't care how they advertise, how they brand it. I've been led to believe when you follow the money, you know exactly what you're getting. And I'm not going for them being any radical change. And Ben Zealous, jealous that's going for Maryland, I don't care about his Rhodes Scholarship either because he ain't do shit when he was in NAACP, so I doubt if he's going to do anything for Maryland. And I'm going to mute myself on that. Well, I, I, I take what you say seriously, Otis, but so you're going to leave it to the Republicans? Is that it? No. What I'm going to tell you is there may not be any immediate answer for us other than organizing and finding a way to groom our own so once they get there, they do for us. 
I'm sick and tired of all that's this. That's what I'm just telling me that identity politics ain't going to work and all of that. But if we keep on acquiescing to the establishment that we have now in the Democratic Party, we will get nowhere and they will continue to play ping pong with us. That I would and if we and if I we abandon some change before I close my eyes. And if we abandon them, if we don't put them in to to weed out the infestation of the corruption, you see, that's what I mean about lesser two evils, Otis. They are less evil than the people who are there. And that's what we need to focus on. The people who are there, the people who are basically tearing down our democracy as we see it. It's never been a great democracy for black people. I'm one of the biggest first things I say. This democracy is not for for people of color. But let's face it, we don't have enough people of color who are attentive. Can can we address that? Who basically have have a clue. Can, can I can I say something about that, and then I, I'm gonna let you have your show back. Go ahead. One of the reasons one of the reasons we don't have that is something that I've been preaching here locally, and in my entire life, too many people that are black get in positions of power, and they close the door. If everything that you've talked about, from David Brock to Tucker Carlson to Ryan to every name that you've made has been 40 years in the making. We are the most short-sighted people in the world. We want instant gratification. I'm saying to you that if we as a people let these parties do what they want and raise up intelligent, politically astute black people, we can make a change. But if all we want to do is keep doing a revolving door and create a CBC with as many numbers as we can, we're going to continue to lose. That's all I'm saying. Sometimes in war, you have to learn to retreat. Well, thank you for your call, Otis. And um, I'll step right in and take this next caller. Let me see. One one one. Are you there, sir? Welcome to the Alpha Show. Yes, Thank you sir. for calling to Works Network. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you very much for taking my call. This is Mike. Uh and you know uh this North Carolina hit uh, hit with massive uh hurricane uh, category one and yet South Carolina, and there are almost 12 nuclear facilities are going to be bombardment with the same, uh, you know, hurricane. So uh, my uh, question is to you, you know, uh, already they have evacuated people. They have tried, uh, uh, brought military or national guards uh, uh, to help them, and they have put the people into the uh, military uh, trucks. Uh, I want answer from you. Where do you think these people are gone? 
are they gone to FEMA camps, which are death camps, or uh, just they put them back, say, after five, ten miles, they take them off, say, now you are by yourself. Bye. What, what do you think? Well, they take them to, they take them to shelters until they can return home, until the water level recedes, until they can return home. And that's what government does. That is what FEMA but, is for. That is what the Red Cross is supposed to be doing. They're not but, just taking but, them. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. They're not just taking them five, ten miles away from the danger and dropping them off. They're they're basically taking but, them to shelters. But the way they show the floods and everything we have seen so far, it's it's going to be months before even the water subsides, and yet all the homes are moldy and crappy, and only 25% of the population had the flood insurance, and the rest of people have zero insurance. So basically, they go back. It's become this is the second Katrina for United States of America. Well. The fact that FEMA is underfunded, the fact that they never want to use the resources to help American people. Of course. Just as they didn't do in Puerto Rico, just as they yes. not didn't do Katrina. in Houston. Yes. yes. Especially Katrina. Those were people yes. of color. They didn't give a damn. They didn't care yeah. one way or the other. But I'm saying Absolutely. to you, this is what government is for. This is why when people advocate government is too big, government, we can't have this, we can't have that with government, this is why people have to push back on that because you can tell that lie over and over and over again, but nobody wants to speak the truth more than once. And that's why people don't get it. That's why we allow them to frame the narrative on situations such as this. The people who are being picked up by boats and being rescued are going to shelters and which Red Cross and FEMA and the whole nine yards are supposed to kick in. But if you've got an administration that has taken $200 million out of Homeland Security and taken $10 million out of FEMA, what are you going to have? That's why it is Not important to get rid of this administration. I, I absolutely, indeed. I mean, but also they have a 60% of the money that we don't have. I mean, we just borrow it, print it out like a pancake, you know. It's 14 cents per dollar, you know. Uh, we keep the, uh, put, uh, printing money, and from that money, uh, and still we owe $20 trillion or more. Every, every night gets more and more. So then, you know, uh, the 60% goes to military. It's none of our business, really to be nosy around the globe, uh, our, uh, you know, our uh, 
job must be protecting Americans and uh, keep take care of our own citizens first. This is the way you make uh, America great. Not Donald Trump is gave you bullshit lies to make America great because America was never great from the day one anyway. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> he's taking this. You've got a you've got a um, a reality TV show clown who's telling these stupid bigots, and that's the only thing that it can be that these people are bigots that they've been thinking about or like this for a very long time, and convince them with fear <laughs> and the people of color are taking something away from you. We don't have enough money to do the morally correct things, as of course Ocasio-Cortez says. We've always got enough money for tax cuts. We've always got enough money for war. We've all, but we never have enough money when it comes to helping the American citizens, helping the middle class. Uh, for Amen. Medicare, Amen. for Medicaid, for yes. Social Security. Yeah. I mean, so until I mean, we address the, the morality of this country, we are going to have a zero. Problem. Yeah, we are already morality zero. You see, we have, I mean, uh, uh, right now everybody, like a dog and cat, want to fight with each other. I mean, uh, if you want, if you hit uh, your car, bumper car, to somebody, my gosh, there will be massive uh, fight. I mean, we see that a lot of uh, uh, car, um, uh, what you call it, uh, the uh, you know, car angry people uh, in the freeway shooting at each other, etc. I mean, it's just uh, right now we have chaos in the United States, and yet they get, make us so busy with this store, and another eight storm is uh, coming towards America, and typhoon in the uh, Philippines also make damages as we speak. And winds up to 160 miles per hour. And basically Manila and uh, Philippines is also becoming a third world country as we speak. And so, uh, I mean, uh, last week was typhoon on Japan. Then we got 6.6 earthquake. And we have a double seven earthquake in New Zealand. And we had had two double 8.2 earthquakes three weeks apart in Fiji Island. So right now, uh, 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 earthquake, I mean, the ring of fire is, is very, very shaking like a, a never been before. And with this storm, I, I guarantee you, we will have to have some earthquake activity in the United States from Vancouver, Canada to San Diego, and also San Andreas, Oklahoma, Mississippi, and South Carolina, North Carolina is in danger of earthquake. What do you think, my friend? Well, let me put it like this. As long as the voices of climate change deniers have the money to perpetrate the fraud and continue to repeat the lies to the American people, these storms are going to get worse. 
the the catastrophic storms are going to get worse. The fires are going to be worse. The tornadoes are going to be worse. The floods are going to be worse. Everything is going to be worse until we get off of this fossil fuel-based industry. If we can't turn quickly to renewables, we're going to have some big problems. Look at the problems that we're having now, and look at how they've increased over the years. 111, I want to thank you for your call. And uh, thank you very much, don't my friend. Don't be a stranger. Shalom. You take okay. care. Shalom, my friend. You too. All right. Shalom. Shalom. I I really enjoy calls of that nature. Um, it basically takes us to that place. Um. I've got 12 grandchildren, and I'm about, right now, I've got 17 great-grandchildren. It's soon to be 19, and it may even get to 20. There's rumors about, but we must address our children. We must instill in our children. We must, since we already know we were miseducated, we must take a hold of that tool to educate our children, to teach them their history, to push back on the culture of white supremacy. We have to motivate our children in their dreams. Listen to this. Does identified as mentally retarded, put back from the fifth grade into the fourth grade, and stayed in that category until I got out of high school. I don't have any college training, but I met a high school teacher who one day changed my life. I was waiting on another student, and when he came in, he said to me, young man, go to the board and write what I'm about to tell you. And I said, I I can't do that, sir. He said, why not? I said, I'm not one of your students. He said, it doesn't matter, follow my directions now. I said, I can't do that, sir. He said, why not? I said, because I'm educable, mentally retarded. And he came from behind his desk and he looked at me. He said, don't ever say that again. Someone's opinion of you does not have to become your reality. And as he talked, my heart began to beat fast. Tears began to run by my eyes and and I was in the back just listening to him because the speech he was giving, that speech was for me. And he said, Les Brown, He said, if you want to do anything worthwhile in life, you've got to be hungry. I told Mr. Washington I wanted to become a disc jockey. And so I started working to develop myself. He said, I want you to practice every day being a disc jockey. I said, but I don't have any job now. He said, it doesn't matter. He said that it's better to be prepared for an opportunity and not have one than to have an opportunity and not be prepared. And as I was working to develop myself, I applied for a job as a disc jockey, WMB on Miami Beach. I went to a guy named Milton Butterball. I said, how you doing, Mr. Butterball? I'd like to get a job as a disc jockey. He looked at me, he said, do you have any broadcast background? I said, no, sir, I don't. Do you have any journalism background? I said, no, sir, I don't. He said, we don't have any jobs available. I said, yes, sir. I went back to Mr. Washington and I told him, he said, don't take it personally. He said, most people are so negative, they will have to say no seven times before they say yes. He said, go back again. So I went back again. I said, how you doing, Mr. Butterball? My name is Les Brown. He said, I know what your name is. What do you want? I said, I'd like to know whether or not you have any jobs at this jockey, sir. 
He said, didn't I just tell you yesterday we didn't have any jobs? I said, yes, sir, but I know whether or not somebody got laid off or somebody was fired, sir. He said, no one was laid off or fired. Now get on out of here. I came back the next day like I've seen you for the first time. I said, hello, Mr. Butterball, how are you? He looked at me with rage. He said, go get me some coffee. I said, yes, sir. And I went to get him some coffee. After a while, I would get their lunch and dinner, and I would go in the control rooms and take the disc jockeys their food, and I would not leave until they would ask me to leave. One Saturday afternoon, while I was at the radio station, a guy named Rock was drinking while he was on the air. I was the only one there looking at him through the control room windows, walking back and forth, young, ready, and hungry. Pretty soon the phone rang and it was the general manager. And I answered the phone. I said, hello? He said, Les, this is Mr. Klein. I said, I know. He said, Rock can't finish his program. I said, I know. He said, would you call one of the other DJs in? I said, yes, sir. I hung the phone up. I said, now he must be think I'm crazy. I called my mom and my girlfriend, Cassandra. I said, y'all turn up the radio and come out on the front porch. I'm about to come on the air. I waited for about 20 minutes, and I called him back. I said, Mr. Klein, I can't find nobody. He said, young boy, do you know how to work the controls? I said, yes, sir. He said, go in there and don't say nothing here. I said, yes, sir. I couldn't wait to get behind those controls. I put on an old Stevie Wonder record called Fingertips. I sat down behind that turntable. I said, look out, this is me, LB, Triple P. Les Brown, your platter playing Papa. There were none before me, and there will be none after me. Therefore, that makes me the one and only. Young and single and love to mingle, certified, bona fide, and dubiously qualified to bring you satisfaction, a whole lot of action. Look out, baby, I'm your love man. I was hungry. I was hungry. You got to be hungry. Begin to know that you have greatness within you. And if just one of you here begin to envision yourselves as being blessed and highly favored to reach your goals, if just one of you capture the essence of what that means, that you have greatness within you and a responsibility to manifest that greatness, that you can make your parents proud, you can make your school proud, you can touch millions of people's lives and the world will never be the same again because you came this way. It was hard, ladies and gentlemen, coming to speak to people. And I was facing financial difficulties in my own life. I was behind on my bills and my dreams and I'm saying to them, you can live your dream. It was hard, ladies and gentlemen. It was very difficult to pick myself up each day believing and I could do it. There were times that I doubted myself. I used to ask myself, can I do this? And something said within me, you're the one. Don't give up on your dream. But continue. Everybody thinks we're wrong. Who are they to judge us? Mother, mother. Simply call the sweet where I hair long. Mother, mother. Ooh. 
try to instill in our youth and motivate them because <laughs> who said that the children are our future? Wasn't that a song? You have to be aware. You have to be educated. When injustice becomes law, resistance becomes duty. Until next week.